Escape from Plan A. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Escape from Plan A. I'm your host today, Diana, and I'm joined by returning guest Bryant. Hey everybody. Teen. Hello. And Mark. Hey everybody. Okay, so uh, today's episode, we're going to focus on the model minority myth, uh, what it actually is, uh, what and what it means for Asian Americans um, personally and as a part of, you know, the greater American society. First, I just want to say if you enjoy what you hear, uh, please consider donating to our Patreon uh, you'll be able to get our weekly bonus episodes, access to the Plan A Discord, and contribute to finding and supporting new and exciting Asian American writers. Yay! All right, so, yay! All right, so, uh, Teen, you know, this was brought about because you and Bryant had this really uh, great discussion about the model minority myth. So, do you guys want to just kind of like talk about that a little bit? Yes, I'm not going to stop selling. I'm in sell mode. We had this discussion in the Discord, which you can get access. <laughs> uh, it was a, we, we had a really yeah, we did. I you know it was a long discussion. So like I I I, I know we, we were like you know what instead of like you know continuing to like type into this chat room like we should just pot about it. Um and. I think like, you know, it's it might be one of these topics where we should just like riff a little bit on model minority myth because it's such a big topic. Like if you look at Asian American uh, and I'm no expert, OK, but like if you look at Asian American sort of like, you know, sta- the, the sort of canon of like Asian American discourse, it comes up all the time. And I just feel like it's one of the problems with it because I don't feel like it's. I sometimes feel like model minority myth is like either used incorrectly or used in a confusing way. And I suspect that one of the problems is that model minority myth is not really one thing. It's sort of been split into something, into a, a few different things. And, um, uh, I, that, 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 that kind of is my starting point for this pod. And I figure maybe it's one of these things that we should just kind of talk about freely. Uh, might be a good discussion. Do you guys, yeah, yeah. Um, Bri- Brian, you know, um, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, not to scoop the conversation too soon, but I think one of the big things for me that Tina and I were hitting on was that when we talk about the model minority myth, um, it often stays, I, I, I found in the stuff, the conversations I found, uh, it stays at a pretty superficial level, kind of at the level of, hey, there are these stereotypes about Asians and even though a bunch of them seem positive they're constraining us and like people kind of stop there or they toggle to um, discussion of the model minority myth as anti-black and I think both of those things you know are worth talking about and are definitely true but where I ended up with teen was where's the broader discussion on like what the like serious impacts of the model minority myth are on the Asian community 
and kind of building off what we talked about last time when you and I were potting, um, Diana on, uh, racial trauma and mental health. Yeah, I, I, yeah, for sure. And also, um, I just wanted to say like a lot of the model minority myth is like impinged on, you know, Asian culture. Um, but you know, like as, you know, an adoptee, Mark, you know, like you still are racialized under that model minority myth, but culturally you don't have any ties to Asia. So I feel like you have a really unique perspective to speak, um, to speak on this as well. Like, do you want to add anything just to start? Yeah. Um, you know, we'll get, I think, uh, part of the discussion, we're going to be talking about sort of defining the different ways that model minority myth are, are used, is used. Um, but for me, like you pointed out, Diana, like, uh, it's used in a racialized sense that like something just in my Asian body sort of means that I am these certain things. Like I'm good at math or, you know, I'm studious and I'm obedient or something like that. Like I don't cause trouble. But also like there's a weird thing where even though I don't have any connection to like people that could teach me the culture of being quote unquote Asian, um, I think some people still feel that part of who I am is sort of uh, is defined by that. Even though I have no connection to it, at, you know, through like a, a parent or uh, you know a relative um, directly in my life, so it's um it's an interesting sort of it's interesting that I it's used in a couple of different ways for for me and and other I think uh, Asian adoptees. See, I think that's like an example of model minority myth having been like sh- like basically stripped of like real meaning, and it just becomes like this yeah way to talk about stereotyping me as you know like that kind of asian and like there there was this uh article that i read this is like indicative i think of how like it's commonly used there's this article that was reacting to the whole uh andrew yang thing where like the writer was saying she was asian she was like oh yeah i was at you know another example the model minority myth she was like i was at the a taping of a show and you know the guy who like fluffs up the audience like the comedian that comes out to get the audience all riled up to do the laugh track he points out like you know two other two asian guys in the audience and was like hey uh where did you guys go to school i bet you're really uh i bet you went to a really good school right and the guys are like yeah we're from mit and then he's like i bet you're good at math and he's like i'm in fact i'm a math major and then the writer she's like i just cringe like this is just this is another example of the model minority myth and i think that's kind of like how you're describing it it's just like yeah yeah, the way yeah, it's yeah. the way it's used is just sort of like okay, just this general stereotype of Asian Americans as being like high educational achievers, being you know not risk takers and whatever, and the popular discourse I think kind of centers around just sort of like the the awkwardness and resentment of being stereotyped, and I just yes. find that that just not really I don't know like it's where does, I, it's way is it's that, very shallow. Uh, it, is it even it, that? Can't big, just stop is, it. is it even really that big a deal? I mean, compared to like what the what if you dig deeper into what model minority myth is, I feel like the stereotype aspect of it is like mm-hmm. I think people for some reason fixate a lot on that and they push back. They do a lot of stereotype busting, like "Yo, I'm not that kind of Asian. I'm bad at math," or you know, whatever. And I'm like, does that really matter so much? Um, that's the first use of it that I've thought it's just this generalized 
racial stereotype that mm-hmm. somehow we resent. I mean, like, not only does it seem kind of silly to you, but I feel like a lot of other minority groups kind of like look at Asians who are like, oh, I'm besting the myth or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, and it's like a struggle. Like, I'm, I'm in the struggle yeah. now. Like, I, 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 I yeah. fucked my math exam totally. I'm in the struggle. You know, you're like, <laughs> struggle. Yeah. And they look at us and they're like, yeah. we they- wish we had your problems. Like, you're like, we just act like, you know, petty. That's like that's how it comes across. Yeah, totally. Um, so I think that's the first uh, use of it. But like, I, there's another, there's another, and I think it's actually a different, a totally different and somewhat unrelated use of the definition, which I think is more, it, it, to me, is a lot more important. Which is uh, and it's the a, earlier one, earlier definition too. I think it's one of the original definitions, right? Yeah, is the, the it's the original definition? Definition. Yes, yeah. it's a. It, uh, I don't know if it's the original. I think Ellen, we'll talk about Ellen Wu's thing later, but oh, okay. I think it's, sorry, yeah. But I think it's also generally used, I think, in more serious discussions as sort of a socioeconomic mischaracterization of Asian Americans as being, um, you know, all pretty wealthy, high income, high educational achievement, which I can see as how it like kind of is related to the stereotype. But it's a different, it, instead of like, you know, a stereotype about like what kind of people we are, it's more of like an empirical, uh, it's more of an empirical statement about Asian Americans as, uh, as a demographic group to say that in fact, Asian Americans have the highest degree of socioeconomic inequality among all racial groups, right? And so that means that in the current political or in the current contemporary America, we're having these like huge political and social changes caused by income and and wealth inequality. And Asian Americans are experiencing this the most of any racial group. And I think in that sense, model minority myth is saying that by looking just at average figures or sometimes outdated figures of like income and things like that, and also like the failure to, you know, granularity within Asian Americans that Mm -hmm. essentially there's a whole underclass of Asian Americans that are uniquely disadvantaged uh, relative to other groups that are just being totally erased and ignored. I think that's a more serious definition, but I, I still feel like that's used, you know, somewhat lazily sometimes and also not as often as just the sort of like, I'm not good at math model minority myth, you know? Well, it gets me thinking that th- there's some aspects of the model minority myth that are about like these essentialist characteristics of Asians, right? Like we can, you know, just take the math thing. Like somehow it's it's in our genes, the math stuff. But then when I think about the socioeconomics piece, um, it almost makes me think about this as more of like it's still essentialized but less essential. It's almost this is the result of you Asians loving math. This is the Asian, like this is the result of Asians being hardworking and I think this, for me, I kind of take both the stereotype and kind of that second definition together and start thinking about the narrative that it adds up to. And Tien, you and I were talking about this a lot too, but to buy into any piece of this model minority myth then uh, is to believe in the racial hierarchy that white supremacy establishes. And at least where my mind goes when I think about like how seriously this can impact Asians, it goes beyond, and this is important, but it goes beyond just like uh, erasure of class differences 
or like the you know diversity in the Asian American community. I think it also means that any of us that decide that we like this myth and swallow it, it means that we have poisoned ourselves like pretty deeply with with that racial hierarchy concept. You think that's a widespread problem these days? I mean, I feel like most Asian Americans I know, um, at least of a certain generation, like below a certain age or whatever, um, are like pretty conscious of the model minority myth. And um, are they, you think they're internalizing it? Or do you think like that they're just sort of like um, chafing against the fact that society still sees them that way? You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I feel like if they're chafing, that means they're, there's something to chafe against, you know? Like, if they're, if they're complaining so hard about it, it means it's, like, affected them a lot, and maybe even more than they realize. Yeah, like, I'm taking myself, I'm putting myself in the position of that writer who's, like, in that studio session where, you know, the comedian comes out and points out the two other Asian guys as, like, MIT students who are good at math. Haha, ha, I've, uh, I've confirmed the stereotype. And, you know, she said it, it just was really, you know, it just, I'm not really sure how she felt other than maybe, like, a bit of cringe and, like, okay, they're, they're talking racially and it's, it sucks. But I'm wondering, like, I guess what I'm wondering is like, what, what is the, um, yeah, like, why are we chafing against that so hard? I mean, other than the fact that like, they're, you know, other people like non-Asians or even Asians like talk about us in a racialized way. It's just like, I, I'm not a big fan of just talking about people racially, even though, even though that's, I guess all, that's all we do on the pod. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I just tweet yeah. about white people all day. Um, but I'm just, I, <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, you know, if someone says Asian Asian people are so good at math, what is the problem per se? Uh, you know, what I'm saying, like, assuming we don't buy into it, like, you know, people say shit about like races all the time and they say, like, you know, you know, well, I think the, the damaging thing is that because it's a positive racial stereotype, you you kind of want to buy into it more. You know, it's like more insidious that way. And so it's like you don't want to be racialized and yet you're being complimented. Oh, but I'm saying that pe- but I'm saying that people who react negatively to that, like the person who wrote that and was like, "Oh, cringe, you know, they're calling us good at math." What is the what's the source of that cringe? Like why does it bother us? when they say that like because i assume that most people are actually bothered by this now rather than saying oh yeah i am good at math like you know like people love challenging that stereotype and it just gets me wondering like I- i'm conf- i guess i'm just i personally am just like confused as to why it's such a big deal to people uh, that, so that they say this for stuff. myself teen yeah i think that when we're tossing all these positives out around the model minority myth you know, there are these essentialist beliefs around Asian people or just like all racism. It's just these essentialist beliefs. It's never anything about the individual's agency or accomplishment. It's always just about, you know, you're six foot five. You should be able to reach the top shelf on the bookshelf. Um, and, you know, if you if you do reach that bookshelf, if you do, you know, get an A on that math test or whatever, you should have. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, this starts to erase people's actual accomplishments 
Um, one thing Diana and I talked about at some point was imposter syndrome. I think this is a big driver of that sort of thing. And I guess what this adds up to for me when I think about the model minority myth, there are some like big almost um, economic impacts from it. But I think there are also some really big like psychic impacts from it. And it does get me thinking like when you are constantly chafing against this, uh, what's your cognitive emotional cost and what does that mean for you on a day-to-day basis? Like what would happen if you weren't spending all that energy um, every day kind of managing that? Right. Yeah. And just like the awkwardness of it coming up. Like for me, when I hear it, I, I feel like there's, I almost feel like um, an obligation to be annoyed by it. And it's like this compounding annoyance. Like not only is it annoying, it's like, it's annoying that I have to think of it as annoying. And, you know, like all, it just, just compounds on itself. But given what you're saying about it, that it leads to issues of like personal psychic toll, the individual as having to, um, you know, essentially be flattened and dehumanized. I think all very real. But the more we go down that path, the further we're getting from the socioeconomic side, the mischaracterization side of it, which is another source of my confusion over model minority myth is like, okay, so here I am, you know, in a, in a, in a room full of like, you know, white people and someone just said something about, oh yeah, the Asian guy's good at math, model minority myth. How does that have anything to do with the idea that model minority myth is covering up, you know, a yawning gap in socioeconomic um, status within Asian Americans? I don't think it does is I guess I just view those as two very separate things that have the same name. Do you know what I mean? And that's why I get freaking confused about it. I don't know if I'm making sense here. Well, I think there's um, people assume a causative relationship between you know, like the socioeconomic um, advantage, quote unquote, and the stereotypes, the racial stereotypes associated with it, right? Because it's not just like, oh, it's not like people are saying, oh, you know, like Asians make more money. And also they're good at math. Totally random. They're like, oh, Asians make more money because they're hardworking and they do, you know, like the hard tech jobs that other other people can't do or won't do. Yeah, you know, you it's mean- it's it's causative. That's how people think of it, and that's the connection. Yeah, but then you know, but there's also just sort of like empirical factors. Like if you just look at average income or whatever, like Asian Americans come out on top of all racial groups, but that doesn't capture the the the, the gap, right? So there's like empirical. I guess what I'm saying is like one is like model minority. Mi- I guess the way we talk about it is Wait, like I don't I don't actually mm-hmm. think the um, socioeconomic surveys necessarily are the model minority myth. Are they like that's not how I've heard about it colloquially and like just like those statistics aren't necessarily what people talk about. Maybe maybe it's what maybe it's the link that you're talking about, because like if you look at. okay, so there's like another sort of way of talking about model minority myth, which is like specific to like it's a specific historical and political understanding of it. And I think I think she's at. Indiana University, uh, Indiana, uh, Professor Ellen Wu, who wrote this, who sort of uncovered like the origins of the model minority myth as something that was specifically intentionally created as a narrative to sort of like prove that black Americans, all of their social problems were a direct result of like, 
you know, in, you know, their own problems, like their own personal and cultural failings that it, it couldn't be racism because like this non-white group had succeeded. And the proof of it was the, the empirical data. The proof of it was like Asian Americans have like high income, high uh, educational achievements. If you look at demographic data, but then it was tacked on to the racial archetype, the racial stereotype, which was like a mischaracterization, I think, of our personal and cultural factors. And Wu was saying, like, essentially, a model minority myth, I guess, was the tying of those two together, but in a false way. So I guess that's what you're saying, Diana, right? Like, they're, they're, they're sort yeah. of caused by each other. And it, but we have to take both sides to, I guess, maybe fully understand what model minority myth really is. And I just, I guess my, I guess I, this, 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 what prompted my, the way I teed up the the pod was just to say that I'm just super confused about like when Asian people go out and talk about model minority myth, like what exactly are we complaining about? Are we complaining about the erasure of the underclass or are we complaining about the way that we're made to chafe against, you know, awkward feelings of being told we're good at math? Well, why can't it be all of it? I think it might be all of it. I, mean, I think it, yeah, I think I think it can be all of it, it but we just sucks. don't differentiate. Yeah, and I, I personally think that we're, we're often talking more about the personal discomfort of it, especially in like sort of like, um, you know, sort of like more glibly written articles and stuff. I feel like it's it's more about how it just makes us feel uncomfortable and it doesn't fully humanize us versus. Yeah, I you know, agree with that. I agree with that, especially because most of those articles are written by, you know, like, you know, more well-off people who kind of, like, have the privilege to, like, write those articles, basically, because they're not working three jobs. And then, but, I mean, it, it's the same sort of thing, right, as, you know, like, hyper-sexualization of Asian women or, you know, like, um, the gendered racism that Asian men face. It's just, like, like, we we can only talk about like the most superficial bland uh outcome of mo- how damaging this um the the model minority myth actually is right it's just like our personal chafing feelings um th- that's what gets the most airtime in the same way that you know like um yellow fever like on dating apps or, you know, like six packs get for like our other issues. And that's why it makes us look like such tools because it, it flattens the problem. It makes it seem like really superficial and it makes us seem like petty little bitches for complaining about it data like endlessly. Yeah. And I think that it, it, I think that's what, Maybe I'm getting at. I think you're clear. I think that we've just gotten really lazy about how we use it. And it's almost become like just a tag that we throw on people to be like, um, you know, we're not so stuck up. I mean, it kind of boils down to like in, in, in how it's commonly used, this sort of like revolt against being seen as stuck up and stiff. And we kind of want to prove that we're actually cool and we're, you know, we're loose. And I just don't think that that's, you know, I think that's missing a lot of like the sort of like deeper implications of what model minority myth actually means, you know? I think that's the magic of the model minority myth. It seems so cheesy and low key, actually, but that's part of its power. You don't look at it twice as a result and no one takes you seriously. 
But I think already we've started to outline some very serious things that it accomplishes for white supremacy. Um, you know, maybe not using these exact words, but we talked about the fact that it's a lever of anti-blackness. We talked about how it erases the um, class divide in the Asian American community and all the challenges that people on the lower end of that spectrum face. Uh, like if we think about higher education and everything, we also start to talk about how it like mentally colonizes you. Like this is some pretty complex stuff and it's never captured by these, like we're not all good at math conversations. Exactly. Or even the ones that get more serious yeah. too, like it's a tool of anti-blackness. It's like, yes, but there's so much more to it. And I actually think that the fact that it presents in such a low key way is and the fact that we're all confused as we're on this podcast when we've been thinking about it leading up to today, I think says a lot. Yeah. And even just like the whole, like, we want to be chill. We want to seem cool. You know, like coolness is a factor of whiteness. So in reality, we're just, we're just chasing more whiteness by trying to, uh, get out of the model minority. I still think that a big part of what's missing in the model minority myth is how it's been hijacked, I think, by people that are looking at it through primarily uh, a call as a cultural issue, because I think for most empowered Asian American voices, the ones that, are, you know, have platforms and it gets to write in like white art, you know, white publications about it, you know, they're mostly approaching this completely absent. Um, a real class analysis and what their concerns are really about are being seen as stuck up. Whereas mm -hmm. I think that, for example, this glib, this glib, um, use of model minority myth to mean like, oh, you're being complicit in anti-blackness. Well, if you really investigate the ways in which it was used to essentially gaslight black American social problems as a result of their own failings rather than external social forces such as like racism and class oppression, then isn't mm -hmm. the same true of the underclass of Asian Americans? Wouldn't they also be subject to the same kind of gaslighting through the model minority myth? And I think that, you know, Asian, Asian Americans who talk a lot about this, but don't go deeper into it are actually really covering up the issues of underclass Asian Americans by saying, no, the only thing, the only people that this affects, you know, because, you know, because of like a really shallow reading of it. Is to say right. like, oh, yeah, no, this was a tool of anti-blackness. Yes, it was. But it doesn't mean that it also doesn't have severe effects against the underclass of Asian Americans. I think that's the part that really is starting to piss me off about the way Asian Americans use it. It's like, dude, it's not just about you feeling awkward in a room full of your right. white colleagues. You know, and I I don't know. That's that's, I think, something that gets really covered up. And I think in a lot of this stuff, it's always the Asian underclass that gets erased and and kind of spoken for, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say that yeah. they like the Asian underclass, they they get um gaslit even more than other groups because like everyone assumes like they have all of these cultural benefits of being Asian and yet they still fail. So it's like it's like an extra layer of gaslighting because um, there's no class analysis. You know, it's like, what is like the like yeah. there should be no reason for you to have failed. So it must be definitely be something wrong with you as a individual. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that it, it result like it, it, it results, I think, in. Um, yeah, I think there I think Asian American liberal attitudes are not sometimes so distinguishable from white liberal attitudes. Mm -hmm. And, and I think one of the, like, for example, like, 
you know, um, when we say and like for listeners who like don't necessarily know this link between like model minority and anti-blackness, like they're one, like it, it'll come out when when the issue comes up, like with the Andrew Yang stuff um, about Shane Gillis and, 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 and how he made that thing, how he made this claim saying like, you know, casual racism against Asians is is acceptable, whereas racism against, you know, black people is is uh, is not. While not a, you know, not a, a totally informed thing to say, um, he was accused of being complicit with anti-blackness because model minority, uh, you know, model minority myth is is a tool of anti-blackness. Right. But like if you did, like if you spend a little time digging into that claim. Right. There's a huge contradiction in the way that's used. Right. Because like it's a claim kind of that like I think it's an assumption that like it's really like um it, it, how do I, not, not an well, assumption, but like it's kind of falsely assumed in kind of that stuff that, oh, yeah, there's uh, it, it's like it's like a form of um, uh, obles- uh, noblesse oblige. Like, oh, yeah, I as like an elite liberal Asian American, mm-hmm. I um, disclaim the tendency of like my Asian brothers and sisters to have anti-black attitudes. In yeah. fact, though, well, that the discourse around Asian American anti-blackness is really often about the. Uh, is about the is about the attitudes of the immigrant and working class Asian American communities, right? Not liberal elite Asians. We're talking about mm-hmm. you know the way like Korean store owners uh, treat their black customers. We're talking about about the way like you know um, Chinese immigrant communities showed up for like Peter Liang and things like that. The nail salon stuff. All the you know every time you mm-hmm. see a story about nail salons and someone skipping the bill and something bad happening because of that. So. I think a lot of times those anti-blackness claims, um, when we actually start discussing this topic, the, the Asians who are talking about it will immediately, once the discussion gets real and it's no longer just about noblesse oblige, they'll just start turning around the topic towards, oh yeah, pointing fingers at the Korean shop owner, pointing fingers at the immigrant Chinese, pointing their finger at Vietnamese nail salon workers, stuff like that. It looks a lot like what liberal white people start doing a poor working class whites once the shit hits the fan right yeah once like, the, the shit hits the fan a lot 100 percent. Yep. they they yeah. will spend all day just you know um you know performing this like you know i disclaim my anti-blackness you know there's so much anti-blackness in the asian community i won't do it. like but you're not a shop owner you're right. not like you don't live in an immigrant community and you're you know you're you don't own a nail salon so you it's easy for you to disclaim the kind of anti-blackness that when the discussion gets real well, you're always pointing the finger at some other community, not your own. So it's well, so this easy kind of for them to This actually it. looks very model minority in a lot of ways because it assumes this kind of, uh, you know, white adjacency, essentially. Like, our, our activism looks like white activism, and therefore our activism sometimes ends up looking really performative. And doesn't, and kind of getting back to my hobby horse here, doesn't look at our community as a community with some serious issues that are specifically racialized around the fact that we're Asian. Um, as if, you know, the, the real issues here are, and again, I'm not trying to say that anti-blackness is not a very, very serious, serious issue. It's more just that when we're talking about this stuff, it seems to get, well, it seems to be the only thing we talk about sometimes when, again, the Asian American community faces a lot of violence. And you guys have talked about that in previous pods. Uh, yeah. And I, and I think it's the wrong people talking. I think I think that's the problem for me is like yeah. you know it's it's always uh you know I'm gonna just start adopting this term uh, boba liberal because it's just I just like it um <laughs> I think I think it's boba liberal types who uh like to speak 
on behalf of the entire Asian American, you know, demographic, but they really don't know what the fuck they're talking about. You know, and and it's so easy to like yeah. sort of like project a lot of the problems that they don't actually face onto some other group of Asian Americans. It's very easy for them to give up the pooch, so to speak, and say like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I don't exhibit any of the problems of Asian American anti-blackness. Well, I'm like, yeah, but the, the anti-blackness that you're talking about has nothing to do with you. Well, yeah. Right? It, it, so, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, it's uh, it, they they, um, they dance this like this jig of sort of being, you know, I'm, I'm Asian, so I'm of this group, so I have authority to speak, but I'm not like them. I'm not really like them. And I sort of, you know, I, I disavow everything that they're about and because they're anti-black or whatever. So it's just like tap dance that they have to constantly, you know, perform. Um, so yeah, so I agree. It just, it, it's infuriating and you can't talk like with going back to Andrew Yang, like, you can't just point out that, yes, Asians are the um, target of racism in America because that somehow saying that and you don't mention black people or you somehow compare it to black people, now you're anti-black. I find that incredibly frustrating. Um, and it's just, are we not supposed to advocate for ourselves? I kind of like, I, I kind of question who these boba liberals are actually um who they're actually fighting for. Are they fighting for well, you know, it, Asians it or are they fighting for... Like, who are they fighting for? It kind of sounds like those boba liberals are the model minorities because, uh, you know, whenever another minority group speaks up, the white people will point to those successful Asians or, like, elite Asians and say, well, look, these guys are successful What's wrong with you? And then whenever, um, like, uh, like working class Asians raise issues about anti-Asian racism, those same boba liberals will shut them down by saying, well, you shouldn't complain because you, that's anti-blackness. So it's like, it's, yeah. it serves a dual purpose. It's not just anti-black. It's anti, Everybody who's not who's not like yeah, an really elite. Yeah. I just think they use it in a very self-serving way to yeah. make themselves look like the sort of like you know most enlightened members of this demographic group, and so thus let me have you know justify my ascension into you know sort of like establishment, right? Like I'm a uh -huh. I'm a valid voice, and, and the, the only reason why they're there is because they're the model. I think that's such a great point, Diana. Like, do they even want the model minority myth to go away? Because then what would they be? I don't know. I, I just don't. Yeah, I just don't think that their discussion around like, you know, like something that will piss me off is like I, I just will often hear like, say, non-Koreans uh, or well-to-do Koreans who like didn't grow up in like K-Town start speaking on behalf of like K-Town, <laughs> you know, and how yeah. they should feel and think. And I'm like, but you don't know anything about like the dynamics of what's actually going on in that community, do you? Um, but because we're racialized, uh, and sort of, you know, we, we slot into a system where sort of all Asians kind of like are essentially, we essentially share some core identity or some core experience that it, that, that it therefore is perfectly reasonable for like any Korean American to perform this noblesse oblige on behalf of all Korean Americans when it comes to like what they did wrong, you know? 
I've seen like non-Koreans do this like on, you know, just like in media, uh, you know, being interviewed by, you know, on a non-Asian platform. And it it just strikes me as totally the wrong kind of discussion to have. I think one thing that's interesting here is with some of these activists, we see such a desire to kind of pull away from the pack to kind of distinguish oneself from the rest of the community. I'm not like one of those Asians. What does that look like? Right. Like, is there a certain stereotype out there that we're all trying to get away from? We don't want to look like that Asian. We want to be like the individual agent with agency. I, you know, it's a half baked thought, but it does make me wonder. I'm starting to feel like I see these parallels of how the model minority myth kind of plays out in the way Asians interact with one another, interact with people outside of the community. Um, kind of just this. We're not a monolith. I want to do everything I can to like look like a human who's an individual, and a lot of that often kind of looks like throwing your community under the bus. I think it. I think it's what you said earlier before, Brian, about how like a lot of it parallels the way like white, like sort of elite white liberals will talk about working class whites mm-hmm. or, or underclass whites. I think it's similar. I think it's like you know, um, bubble liberal Asians trying to speak in the same manner and hold the same kind of social attitudes. Uh, as elite whites. Well, it's funny, Teen, like, it makes me think about Trump's election, right? So, uh, white liberals have spent a lot of ink talking about how it was poor working class whites that, you know, put this clown in office. But, you know, the data doesn't bear that out. But that's the, that's the narrative that people keep going back to. That's the, thing that they attach to even though they're the ones that voted trump in and it doesn't make me wonder who are the um who are the asians that are really being anti-black you know in our community not that Mm -hmm. that's where we need to go tonight but um if is it really the korean shop owner or is it maybe you know the person who's plugged into the structure of white supremacy that is helping to foreclose on homes you know what's really anti or maybe you can't compare yeah yeah, and I and I think you know if if you take that paradigm, I think it kind of goes full like it kind of goes full circle, right? Because it's specifically the ones who are it's specifically the ones who are sort of um, making claims about it, making claims about who's anti-black in the Asian community or whatever that are themselves like uh, you know I think um, you all I think we were all kind of saying this is like isn't that yeah. model minority? Isn't that exact that precise resistance of model minority? itself an act of trying to assimilate into sort of like a conception of like elite whiteness, uh, which we don't really call that white, right? Like we don't really think of that as like being like white aspiring. We think of that as just being enlightened, you know? Um, but in that process, I think we just have to, a lot of it has to do with like, again, buying into uh, or reinforcing that, empirical aspect of the model minority myth which is that there is a huge yawning class gap in asian america i think that's Mm -hmm. what the model minority myth is is this belief that there isn't a huge class division within asian america and that we can't just pretend to stand on both sides of it you know and 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 i and i think so far a lot of like what i see is like asian americans speaking on behalf of all asian americans with a total a total ignorance of that class gap. Well, I mean, like there's just 
very, very little class analysis in America in general. That's true. You know, like, this is is true of, like, white people, too. Like, we talk about white privilege, but, like, there's a yawning gap in, you know, like, in class in white people, too. And, like, nobody talks about that. And, like, that's part of why, like, working class white people are so frustrated because they, you know they're being oppressed by the same stuff that like working class Asian Americans are and working class, you know, every, every group is, you know, like racialized. Like we can, like that's something we can talk about, but class we still don't even necessarily have the language for on a national level. I, I don't think we have the language for it because it's, it's members of, you know, the privileged class that do all the talking. You know, and um, and I think that one of the things that they'll never do is self-implicate. That's like kind of a rule of like discourse is like people tend not to self-implicate. And so what I've seen with Asians is this sort of like total uh, erasure of the, you know, this, the, the class difference within Asian Americans um, to say that all the problems of you know, all of this shit that Asian Americans do that's no good is the fault of those Asian Americans. You know, not not like me, not like, you know, me sitting here writing a column in the New York Times saying all the things that everyone, all the white people want to hear. You know, it's those Asian Americans or whatever. And, uh, and I you know think... What's really interesting is, like, I think about, like, um, you know, because, like, in terms of like anti-blackness um like a lot of i feel like a lot of times people you will use you know like immigrants africans or you know like um afro-caribbeans who are immigrants but who aren't you know like american descendants of slavery yeah to kind of like prop up the fact that like look you know these black people were successful they have you know that like hard-working mentality and we like them and it's not a problem with you know systemic anti-blackness for centuries it's a problem with you and so right. like the same kind of thing is also being played out now in with like different groups of black people in this country not just with asians and so i feel like like the narrative that we have that like Asians have to oppress like working like elite Asians have to oppress working class Asians is to say that they're racist. Right. It's like weird. It's I guess it's kind of like how um white liberals will say that white cons- or like working class white people are racist to keep them down. It's that's the thing. It's not like um we're culturally like less competent or like less industrious or like somehow we're like, you know, biologically, um, I don't know, not <laughs> like stupider or something, but it's like we're, we're racist. Like that's what, that's what we have to, to suppress the working class Asians. You know, whereas like other other minority groups, their narrative is like that they're inherently like worse in some way. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I think I think with the um, with the African and Caribbean diaspora, like it's interesting because you could see the model minority 
tactic being played out all over again. Uh, we, yeah, we just, we talked to. Uh, uh, Mark, you know how like sometimes we talk to like um, you know Trevor and some other you know yeah. some other people about this and like the conclusion that we tell uh, like uh, black people who are complaining about the same thing is like you all seem to have like your own model minority problem. <laughs> starting, yeah, starting yeah, to pop you know, up, you know, it's really you know it's super interesting you bring that up, Diana. Like I I think actually and and maybe I'm completely wrong and I'm I'm sort of like separated from this stuff on a day-to-day basis so i don't maybe see the effects of the asian american model minority myth uh too acutely in my own life but i kind of feel culturally the new sort of model minority myth of the afro and of the afro cuban and sort of african uh diaspora that are not ados um that model minority um sort of message that you described and is and you're talking about teen as well um that's like that's a lot stronger in my mind. And it's also like if, if the original um, purpose of the Asian model minority myth was to um, sort of gaslight and to use it against the, um, you know, the Africa, uh, the ADOS community in America, it's stronger to use like other black people in to do that than, you know, Asian people. So I kind of feel like, um, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but like, I kind of feel like the model minority myth is sort of morphed and it, it's not really used against Asians in the way that it has in the past. I think like we've been talking about, it's much more of that like personal discomfort or the personal, um, stereotyping of, of people as being good at math or whatever. Um, and it's not being used as much of a bludgeon against the African, uh, you know, the ADOS community, um, as it once was. Um, does that make sense? You're yeah, saying that, that makes a lot of sense. Are you, sorry, if, to clarify, are you saying like the Asians are not being used as much as like the new African Caribbean? Yes, that's diaspora? what I'm saying. Yeah. I think I think that's absolutely right because it makes the case even more. Well, yeah, it's directly. much more. Effect- it's much they're more. Like, you're, you're all the same they're, race. Yeah, they're right? black, right? You're black. Right. What's the problem? So it's right. much. And, and I don't necessarily. And, and I, you know, talking about the different definitions of modern minority myth. I don't think it's the sort of, you know, is it Ellen Wu and like the the Moynihan report in that sort of way is not being used with Asians against like other minority groups as much anymore. I'm sure it is partly, but I think most of it, as we can see from sort of the voices out there is like, I'm embarrassed because like, you know, I don't want to be seen as the, the loveless virgin, like math geek. Uh, and like you were saying, Diana, like that doesn't come across like as a strong thing to complain about when, you know, the other groups are being, you know, all the other things that are happening to them. And they're like, you're complaining that, you know, people think you're smart. Um, so it, it, that's a, that's I, a great yeah. freaking point. But, you know what I mean? I, I just feel like we, yes, we can talk about it and we can, like you're saying, Brian, we can talk about how we have psychic effects by like, maybe we're not good at math or like, uh, it's dehumanizing because you're pointing out <clears throat> when you do achieve mm-hmm. things, people will point out like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You should have done well because you're Asian. Um, or, you know, or what we talked about last time where, you know, there is research that shows that microaggressions actually lead to racial trauma right. at much higher rates than macroaggressions. Right. Um, so we can, de- you know, and that's definitely happens and, and that can be a, um, a consequence of these sort of personal stereotypes of these are Asians and this is what they're like. But from a deeper perspective of like, oh, we're anti-black this, anti-black that, you know, model minority for Asians is that I, I just think it, it's barking up the wrong tree. And like you were mentioning, teen, um, 
it's always it's always used as a bludgeon by sort of the model minority myth Asians themselves against sort of the dirty unwashed Asians they don't they want to sort of ignore but at the same time say that they're advocating for um but yeah, I just it I don't see how that is happening like uh, you know it doesn't work if I could just slide in really quickly just listening to what you all have been talking to makes me want to go back to what we were saying about what is the model minority myth at the beginning. I just wanted to check this out there. Maybe it's as simple as it's something that invalidates the very real, I guess, material outcomes of white supremacy. Like, yeah, you doesn't matter what race you use. Um, it might be used, you know, within the same community or outside, but it's always uses that bludgeon to say, no, that wasn't racism. That was you. I guess that's it. Full stop. I don't know how that sits with people. I well, think yeah, that's a broad yeah. truth. Yeah, for absolutely. sure. And I think that I, I mean, think Diana, you mentioned that, was that before. the original tool. That was yeah. the original yeah. sort of like design of it. Right. Was to say that it's gaslight. It's a it's a mass gaslighting of an entire demographic group, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I guess and the thing it makes me think about, though, is even if it's just like, oh, you're so smart at math. And the reason why I was thinking about this was like that comment seems just so who cares? But what's dangerous about the model minority myth, even for those boba liberal Asians, is that at any point, people can just use it to say, no, you're not experiencing racism. Oh, that you're bleeding from your head. You're not experiencing racism. Someone didn't just hit you. We can always use the model minority myth to go back to Asian people to say that you're fine and you're not Mm -hmm. experiencing racism, whether it's microaggressions, whether it's macroaggressions. Yeah. Can, can you, I know you mentioned this, uh, Bryant, on the last pod. Can you, can you, can you explode that a little bit? Uh, the, this, this idea that microaggressions can lead to, um, more racial trauma than macroaggressions sure. and why? Yeah. So really quickly, the, they did some research comparing different racial groups and their experiences of microaggressions and macroaggressions. Then they wanted to basically see if there were worse mental health outcomes for the people, for these different groups. And they controlled for essentially how neurotic people are. Before you go go deeper, can you explain what a macroaggression would be in this case? Uh, sure. Versus, so yeah. a macroaggression would be something more like actual assault, you know, versus uh, the see. microaggression comments on the bus or experience at work or at school. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, yeah. So it, uh, kind of more illegal racism versus like, was that really racist racism? Yeah. Anyway, getting back to it, the, the, what they started to see was that Asian Americans experienced more microaggressions and also tended to exhibit higher rates of racial trauma. And the theory they developed was that, um, macroaggressions are pretty clear for you to understand who did what and who was at fault with microaggressions the very nature of them is they were constantly unsure of whether they even happened whether it was our fault uh, they get translated into shame and guilt often so people are internalizing those racist events and essentially telling themselves at a conscious or subconscious level this is my fault hence why it kind of adds up to more racial trauma over time because you're you're taking these things on that the world is doing to you and you're saying them that's me you know, honestly, I think that really accords with what I uh, see anecdotally, that mm-hmm. I think that assimilated boba liberal types actually suffer from a lot more racial anxiety. Uh, oh, yeah. There, there are a lot like 
I would say we, because I'm, I guess I would, but like, <laughs> we're, you know, I think that, that there's just a lot more racial anxiety among the more assimilated Asians. And when you go look at immigrant communities, it's, there are, you know, there are, I'm not saying they're, they're problem free, but their problems are not of that type. Like they're not constantly second guessing who they are. You know, they're not constantly like freaking out about like their relationship with white people. Their problems right. are like more material. You know, they, they and, and, and while I'm not saying that that means that they have better lives, I think that their problems are just more material and more understood. Whereas the sort of like white, white adjacent, white, you know, white aspiring or, or whatever you want to call it, Boba liberal types exist in a state of like constant confusion and thus anxiety. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that actually sort of relates to the ideas of racial melancholia and was it racial uh, dispersion or racial dissociation? Other dissociation and and the whole idea of like what melancholy and sadness and stuff is because I I think in the 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 Ang and Han um, paper or the the introduction at least that we we were we, we were able you're, you're to talking, read. I think it's a uh, David Ang and Shinny Han their their book yeah. um, racial melancholia. Is that, yeah, uh, racial melancholia that, David and racial, yeah. D- yeah, and um, you know, and I think like me- the melancholia that they're sort of um, basing the, their own idea off of is the Freudian concept, but the way that I think that they describe it is that there's a racial sort of mourning that can happen with like uh, uh, like first gens or like I think they first they did like Gen X, um, where you can actually place sort of what you've lost that thing or that person or that that object and then you're sort of mourning the loss of that but you know what you've lost um but for like the the, the later generations you can't place it on an actual thing it's sort of just like a feeling or a cultural mourning and it can go on much longer and it's actually a lot more like harmful to in, in a sense because there's because you can't attach it to attach it to a specific idea or place or or object it, it can never end uh, and I think that sort of relates to what you were saying, Bryant, about like microaggressions and you can internalize it and you don't even know for sure if it happened and it was racist. But when it's like a, you know, someone calls you a chink or something like that, you know it that, you know, that was racist. So you can't, you know, you don't always hold on to it and internalize it as much. Um, so it's an interesting, I think, parallel. Uh, I'm sure I sort of didn't describe that well, but... <laughs> Yeah, that that makes me think of like how far white people will go to gaslight Asians, though. Because like, remember the um, the hammer homicides? Yeah. And the New York Times ran the headline: "Was it a hate crime?" (laughs) Yeah. Oh man, for for the listeners out there, we did a whole episode on that as well. That was like two episodes in one. It was like two hours yeah. of just shouting. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, though, I think that the cross-racial aspect of the model minority myth as originally deployed adds just a whole complicating factor to it. And for sure, Mark, what you, what you said, like, I've not thought about this before, but as you brought it up, it starts to click in me that like, I think we've actually outlived our usefulness in terms of... We have. That, that original strategy that, that Ellen Wu had, had uncovered. I think right now that it's much more effective to use it intraracially, uh, because we now have this sort of yeah. like educated For sure. uh, diaspora class of, of, yeah. yeah, of, of, and, and so in a way, I think we're stuck in the past, you know, we like, are. Yeah. and it's so easy to see how model minority works intraracially. 
yeah. among black people. And I think maybe what we need to do is understand how model minority myth is actually de- being deployed, not against black people, but against but ourselves, ourselves, against, yes. against the, exactly. against the undesirable Asians. And oh, th- this, this, agree with that. this need yeah. to be stuck in a historical interracial model minority model, while true, and while great work on the on the on the work of those people who who sort of brought it brought it out, uh, you know that's like forty fifty years old now. Yeah, and we're in a completely changed environment. And for me, it just becomes like as you were describing it, I'm like, it's so clear how you can see that the that the that the that the filters that. You know, let, let's say through like college admissions, let's say through like, you know, uh, ascendance to the media class, like, you know, if, like who's going to Harvard and who's getting TV shows and all this stuff. Like once you see that the filters are in place and it like really heavily favors a sort of like model, the model minor, the model segment of that minority. And how mm-hmm. they're used to sort of deploy and gaslight the undesirable side of it, the part that 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 once that needs to be erased. Yeah. Uh, intraracially, I can suddenly start to say like, wait, I think that's happening with us to a degree with Asian, with Asian Americans, because we do now have more inequality than even, even African Americans. And there is, I think, a need to deploy that suppress, the suppressing, uh, quality of model minority against ourselves now. And I think the fact that we're still stuck in an interracial model of it, that all of this adds up to anti-blackness and that no way could Asian people, Asian American people actually be victimized by this, that just compounds the erasure of them. And it's so complicated a topic that it just, it just fucking pisses me off that we have these like shallow ass thinking writers out there representing all of Asian Americans talking about how they felt cringy at a taping of, you know, at, you know, at a, at a comedy show or something, you know, and I'm just like, it just goes so much deeper than that. And I just, I just, I'm just pissed that they're the ones who get to talk about it. It's like a, another layer of inception, right? Cause like, that's what yes. mo- Yeah. It's, it's a meta model minority yes. myth now. We, 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 we've been taught to do it to ourselves in a way, you know? Um, it's almost like we, we've been trained. You know what it's like? To me, it's like having a high paying job that you absolutely hate. And every time you complain about it, everyone was like, shut the fuck up. You make a lot of money. But every day you go there and it sucks your soul and you just want to die. And then you feel guilty because you don't enjoy it because you should enjoy it, but you hate it. And then it makes you feel ashamed and guilty to even feel the things that you do. And then, you know, like how people stay in jobs that they hate for so long, for like way too long because, because of that, like that's, that's what it feels like to me. Like, like some people, like we as a group have this high paying, like shitty middle management job. I need to go like, I I need to, I need, I need to to go lie down right now. Holy shit, that could be. I mean, that's oh, what we are. Continue, right? continue, Wait. continue the discussion. I'll be on the couch listening. <laughs> no, but we're, we're the white people's continue middle managers. We're the second in command. We get Just, put oh, the Jesus. second spot in the racial hierarchy. You oh. know, and I think so many people are so sad because yeah. even if you're really a full 
you know, died in the wool model minority Asian and you believe in it, deep down, you know, this is coming from whiteness. It's coming from white people. So, you know, it can be taken away at any point. I think that's another reason why, you know, so many model minority Asians keep their heads down because the entire system hinges on hinges on whiteness, giving you giving you goodies. Brian, we need to discuss these podcasts, the podcast rules first, because it's one thing to suspect this about yourself. It's another thing to hear it. Okay. You can't just, you just can't come out and fucking say it. You know what I mean? You're right. This is America. You can't really say the thing. Trigger, trigger warning. It is complete. It is very cathartic to hear though, because I I do think that a lot of us carry those suspicions and do suffer in that way. Um, And, and I think that you need to take increasingly, you need to put on more and more blinders, uh, you know, just to maintain that, that position. You know, you've mm-hmm. got to, you've got to sort of like, and things just stop making sense in a way. Cause they're, you're not, you're not, you're almost like not allowed to make sense of it. Otherwise you're confronted with, uh, what Bryant just said, <laughs> which, is, which is, which is terrifying if you're like 30 years deep into such a, such an investment in life. You know what I mean? Like it's terrifying. Um, yeah, yeah. People yeah. feel fucking trapped by that. Uh, it's terrifying. No, it lie. is really trapping. Yeah. And oh, sorry, it's like golden handcuffs. Yeah. It's the golden handcuffs, right? That's why people stay in these jobs that they hate. Because yeah, and who do you have to blame? Have to keep who running on the blame? treadmill. You know, and I, and who, we, who you know? at the end of the day, the fucked up part is at like some point you don't like, even know who to blame. You, yeah, <laughs> other than yourself, right? So, right, right, because because that's the, that's the truly insidious part of this whole thing is that it's like a. It's a fire and forget like racial mm-hmm. miss like missile mm-hmm. in the racial war, right? Uh, and the, like, white people don't even have to like actively keep it going. Like at at some point, your target internalizes it and then perpetuates it on their own. Uh, and I think what you were talking like, we were talking about with like the Asian like the um, the media class people and sort of the elites that have been elected or chosen to represent us. Um, the black community, I think. Um, I think I've heard Trevor use this a couple of times is like the talented 10th. And he used that term when he was talking about the um, blackout showing of slave play. But like, it's that talented 10th of people who are sort of been, you know, they're the celebrities and the tastemakers and they're sort of used to, um, they're used to, uh, like exemplify what black people should be and to sort mm. of shame by example. Um, the other black people aren't like that. So I think, you know, we, ha- the Asian community has our own sort of talented 10th. Um, and they're used in a very similar yeah, way. I would agree with that. I, I mean, I, I think that with, at least with, um, with black cultural out, like with black culture in America, that that's content, that's content, contested space to a degree. Whereas with Asian Americans, sure. I don't even think it's contested yeah, well, yeah, space. I mean, like there is yeah. nobody speaking on behalf of like, of Asian Americans who fall outside, quote, that talented 10th. There's really, and, and even the ones who claim they do are not, <laughs> right, you know, like, right. it, because there's still up- us. <laughs> no, no, but we're not talented <laughs> yeah. and we're not part of the 10th. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. no. We're, we're talented. We're talented. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we're the, no, no. We're, we're the, we're the mediocre middle. We're the overlooked. We're the mediocre uh, we're the middle. Talent. Talent. That. Um, <laughs> no. No, I mean, no, I, I think that, I think that, you know, in terms of like people who actually yes, have mass access to mass platforms, 
um you know especially now like people really think asian americans are making like all these advances they're like oh what a, what a banner year for asian american representation and visibility i'm like yeah you know what i don't know if y'all spend a lot of time in asian american <laughs> communities but it didn't feel like a fucking banner year in my opinion i mean i think there's like something to be said about seeing yourself on screen or whatever but like you know what even talking to like i mean i'm not gonna i'm gonna pretend like i grew up poor or anything but like even talking to like my first gen parents they're like, yeah, what's all the hubbub about? <laughs> like, they're, you know, they're like, the fuck, what, you know, what, what, I, I think that the tangible benefits of the talented 10th of Asian Americans doesn't really amount to much for most Asian Americans in my mind. And we're taught to celebrate their wins. Uh, and and I, I don't think we see the payoff, you know, like, I don't think other people really yeah. see the payoff. And you know what? It's not even just people. Uh, it's not even like. Like it includes even those like quote high income or like you know upper middle class Asian people who are like you know hitching themselves to this stuff and then you know to be honest they probably know that they're not getting any real benefit from it but they it somehow is like a mood enhancer or something yeah psychically they feel better about themselves am I being too cynical at this point have I do I need to get back on the couch am I not cynical (laughs) not cynical enough (laughs) Brian's like dude you need a you need a Come over to Boston, get on the couch. You're the puppies there. Yeah, no, there's a couch for you right here. <laughs> I have three couches. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, no shit. Wow. Talk about, you know, being able to earn, uh, you know, three fees at, at once. <laughs> That's right. So, I'm curious, going back to something you were talking about, Mark, um, did, you know, this model minority myth being kind of this fire and forget missile. I, I like that a lot. It, it or I mean, I don't like it. Well, but it, it <laughs> seems to describe how it doesn't really need any attention paid to it at all. And it got me thinking about how we've kind of taken on the onus of responsibility for replicating that within our community a lot. I'm curious if you guys have ever had this experience, because I feel like I have it a lot where I'll run into some other Asian people at like a maybe it's like a professional thing or uh, maybe I'm meeting some new people socially and I always feel like I'm doing this dance with them to figure out like how much of the model minority myth they actually buy into because I've like run into the folks who like are really militant anti that and you know you guys rock uh, <laughs> but I've also run into some folks who you know really really believe in it and at least I've had this experience multiple times where like running into new Asian Americans there almost seems to be this like feeling each other out initial uh dance i don't know if that resonates with anybody it i think it does but can you can you explain a little bit more what you mean see this is this is like the root of why i wanted to do this pod was like when you say that are against or anti how much do they buy into the model minority myth what do you mean by that specifically or or do you know sure yeah i've thought about it um i don't know if i know but I, i guess they're you know they're different ways it could present like one way i've seen it look is that people actually believe this kind of asians are somehow superior and almost genetically so and maybe even better than white people um then i've seen this other version of it where people almost seem very they seem to understand that they're on this treadmill of of whiteness and that you know you don't put white people down because we're aspiring towards whiteness but we do believe that you know basically the racial hierarchy that like white asian then brown black indigenous uh kind of seeing that or you know and then all the way to maybe not really buying it 
to it too much, but still um, thinking that there is something essential to Asian culture that leads you to be hardworking or something. Oh, Usually I, I find that okay. from people who are not very examined. Okay, I see. So, so, so something has to do with, like, t- the degree to which we buy into a certain race essentialism. Yeah. Yeah. One way or another. Yeah, mm. and for me, it just created a lot of personal anxiety because for me, I, I mean, I think I fall on a more, I mean, I don't know how, it, maybe Diana, you can describe, <laughs> describe me for me, but wherever I fall, I know that there are a bunch of Asians with whom I would really not get along with them if they thought certain stuff around the model minority myth, around yellow fever, around like, emasculate, like emasculated Asian men. Like, I know that. And so at the beginning, anytime I'm meeting new Asian people, because these things are so big in our community, I just feel like it's, I don't know, something get past. I, I want to hear Mark's answer to this because <laughs> uh, I think I think to some extent, like growing up in, in an Asian household, like you do get inculcated with a little bit of, I mean, there is something to culture, right? Yeah. It's not like culture doesn't matter at all. There is something to culture. Mm-hmm. What What is it like as a transracial adoptee where you know, you weren't inculcated with, you know, beliefs in the, in the, in the fundamental um, superiority of, of the Korean way (laughs) Um, as, or or the backwardsness of it or the backwardsness of it, you know? uh, Well, as it relates to when I meet other Asian people or just like in in general? Yes. Yes. To to Brian's question about when you meet another Asian, is there like another, another Asian person? Is there like a, um, I guess the Brian was the question kind of like is yeah, there is, like is there to feel that person out is there some kind of anxiety as it relates to how we relate to the model minority mm-hmm. myth since I guess my getting deeper into it it seems like we've all internalized it to some level or another and for me I've realized that when I'm around people who've internalized it at different in different ways uh, I get pretty anxious around them and then I start getting anxious around whether I'm going to learn that they have internalized it um I so I, I think maybe when I was younger, I um, cared maybe a little bit more about getting along. So I would be more anxious. I think now, um, obviously, you know, I, I think, you know, if I'm with my wife or if I'm with someone and I maybe, you know, I don't want to sort of piss people off, I might sort of just not be as controversial. But these days I don't, you know, I'll, I'll just sort of go out there and say what I want to say and they're going to react the way they react and I sort of don't care as much. I think though, like as an adoptee, I don't, you know, I don't know whether my interaction with other Asian people, I was so anxious about the model minority myth and whether the other Asian people believe it or not, um, or bought into it or don't buy into it. Um, I think I was much more worried about just like, are they going to accept me as Asian or if they're, or are they going to, are they going to be weirded out that I don't know certain things about being Asian American because I was raised like white. So I don't know the like Asian American culture. Um, because like there's certainly things even now, like with the discord that people will talk about, like we did these things or we played they, these games and things growing up. And, you know, I, I don't know what those are. Um, so I think I have a little bit more anxiety about that. Um, but like, to me, like any sort of this, any sort of anxiety around uh, the model minority myth is sort of is categorized or is put into the political bucket. And for me, I don't really have that much anxiety about sh- you know sh- saying that I'm a 
communists or whatever these days. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, so Mark, do you find, I find it, I find that it depends on the, the context of who I'm meeting. Like if I, if it's like a relationship that I need to have because sure. it's like related to, a, you know, it's my job or, or something work or like, you know, it's yeah, like a relative or, like or just somebody, you know, can't really avoid or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. But if it's just like, yeah, like if it's like, if it's yeah. someone that I just have to see all the time, yeah. it's a problem. Sure. But like, uh, even if it's someone who I can control as to whether I interact with this person or not, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, like, believe like in whatever my wife believe. has, you know, uh, uh, she has various different like groups of friends and then, you know, she has people who are closer to her and then just people who are sort of part of the group that she doesn't know that well. And so I hang out and it's like almost all Asian, right? Um, mostly Korean, but there's some Chinese and Vietnamese and Filipino people. Uh, and it, I just, you know, I don't, I don't care as much, even if I know I'm going to see him <laughs> again. And maybe just cause I'm old and like cantankerous and I just don't give a fuck anymore. Really though? But, but you, you, you've, you've expressed some, uh, you've expressed some thoughts about, about that before though. You know yeah, I mean? <laughs> no, and, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be honest about, you Annoyance, know, I'm not, I'm annoyances not going like, to I'm know. not going to like tell them off to their face, but like, you know, I'm going to say what I want to say about like politics or whatever. Um, so I'm, but you know, I don't, I don't know, like Brian, like, I, I guess this isn't a satisfactory answer, but I, I, I just, these days I don't have that much anxiety about, uh, whether they follow some, or whether they believe in the modern minority mm-hmm. myth or not. Um, I think probably growing up, maybe a little, but as I said, it was more about like, uh, my, my own anxiety about being Asian enough, which is sort of like, I guess, uh, you know, a, a, a unique, experience for an Asian American or Asian, you know, Asian American or Asian Western adoptee. Um, well, so. it's interesting to hear you say that, Mark, because one, it got me thinking as you were talking, I started to think about the degree to which people identify with the model minority myth. Sometimes to me feels like th- that's a part of their Asianness. Really? Like, that I identify with being a model minority and that's like for me maybe not the whole sum total of what it means to be Asian but like a huge part of it mm. and I guess what I'm describing I didn't maybe didn't do a good job initially but I having been around a lot of white people uh, when I was a kid growing up and you know kind of having grown up in a white suburb yeah. in New York yeah yeah I was always um you know, it sounds like maybe not not entirely like what you were thinking about, but like you know, what what is Asian enough mean or being accepted? Because I didn't really have um, I didn't have that community around me. Yeah, that's but true. then I started meeting these other Asian people, and even now, you know, when I'm in my 30s, where I'll, I'll meet people for them. Being a model minority is like what it means to be Korean or Chinese for them, hmm. which is not what it is for me at all. In fact, it makes me nauseous. And then those people invariably say shit in front of other people, in front of a lot of white people, that is essentially like putting down all of our Asianness. And I guess that's what I'm talking about and what I'm reacting yeah, like, to. Like what kind of things? Oh, you know, just Andrew, you know, it could be just Andrew Yang style stuff, you know, kind of the cringe small things, I guess, to bring us full circle. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it doesn't need to be like that, though, either. I was talking to someone on Twitter and... You know, he, he, I guess this goes beyond the, 
remit of the model minority, but he was describing how he has Asian male colleagues who will make like small dick jokes in front of Ugh. like oh fuck on, you man. know I hate that the shit. white employees, and God he's just it. like standing there like what are you doing? God damn. <laughs> Like, I'll be. Is that model minority or is that just fucking like self debasing? I mean, I don't think that is, but I do think the thing about the model minority myth that we didn't really talk about is that it it almost needs to exist along some other tropes for it to do its thing. Like, it it goes alongside Perpetual Foreigner or Yellow Power, for instance. And I I think that that small dick stuff. I think part of that small dick stuff is more more that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but. Uh, I think part of the model minority or part of just the idea of what Asianness is for whites is that you don't make trouble. And part of not making trouble is if you go far enough, you even debase yourself to avoid seeming more powerful or, you know. Exactly. So, like. You punch down. You, punch, you can yeah. punch down. You can make trouble downwards. Right. But you're not going to, you're not going to bite the hand that feeds you. And I think part of. And I think that's part of the modern minority myth that is not talked about as much because a big part of the black racism is, you know, they're, you know, they make trouble and they're going to, you know, they're going to chafe at their position and they're going to do all these things. But the Asians never did that. Uh, And we can count on them to just work hard and to not make trouble. Uh, and I think part of like making small dick jokes and all that stuff is like just the most extreme version of that, the most despicable version of that. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating you know. to me. Maybe we should, uh, Diana, maybe we should move to, uh, what are we at? An hour, hour 10 or so? Yeah. Maybe we should, uh, start wrapping up final thoughts. <laughs> uh, I got one final thought, which is that, um, what Bryant said originally about how model minority myth is like, it's meant to work at the level of being like unexceptional and kind of boring and, you know, like, what's the problem here? It is by far the topic that creates the most anger and annoyance in, in me when we get into it. No other, no other topic about Asian American stuff pisses me off quite as much as this. And I think it's because of the degree to which it is designed to both silence and erase huge swaths of Asian Americans uh, and at the same time make that erasure uh, not only sorry not only to erase them but to project so many of you know the 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 complicity with white supremacy the upholding of oppressive structures onto that group that that has been silenced it's just the epitome of hypocrisy to me uh, so it's just such a weird, like you like, like Diana, what you said about levels of inception. It is that kind of fucking issue where it's so hard to grab it either by the head, by the tail, because you don't know where it is. Uh, and, and I think we're still mired in it. Um, and so, yeah, that's my, that's my final thought. I'm just totally exasperated by the whole concept. How about you, Mark? Um, I don't think I have anything else to add. I think I've said my piece. I just hope that Teen likes his couch and is comfortable. <laughs> it's okay. Bryant? <laughs> yeah, I, I I really feel like I said most of what I wanted to say. And it does, though, stick with me, this idea that as we 
consume different levels of white supremacy in our community. It's there are a lot of avenues for it, like all the different stereotypes that are available for us. And I think that when you get 10 Asians into a room and they've all kind of bought into different levels of the model minority myth, for instance, that can make it hard for people to come together and actually stand tall and, and do good work together uh, and, you know, take down white supremacy. So I'm glad to see Asian Americans kind of grappling with this because we need to or we're not going to get anywhere. So I, I guess the only thing that I'd like to add is I think it can... You know, when, when, when Bryant was saying how, you know, he sees like these model minority Asians like making small dick jokes or whatever, um, that kind of makes me think or it makes me wonder if it presents itself in gendered ways, you know, cause like women, they're not going to be making, well, they can, but, um, you know, like I feel like a lot of times the way that I see, you know, like, people of color, like, men of color exhibiting, um, you know, like, those behaviors are different from women. Like, just even, you know, in, in the comedy scene, you know, like, I see, like, guys will make those racist jokes and just, like, be, um, uh, I guess, be, like, more directly, like, racial, but women they'll they'll be like oh you know like down with white supremacy but also like let me let me tell you like 10 minutes of jokes about my white boyfriend you know in in that in that way they're like still validating and holding up the um the system as it is i don't know so i i guess maybe in the future i'd want to to like talk about like rehash this with you know, like more women just to see if it's mm-hmm. different somehow. Cause I feel like there might be something to that. And that could tie into, you know, a lot of the, um, like the gender divide discussions that we have in the community. Because I think it's, I think it's still, it's also related to this. And, um, you know, it also has the same kinds of class divides. Yeah, that's about it. I think it. we have the right. I think we have the right people for that discussion. You should. Def- you should. We should definitely. You should definitely set that up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll keep thinking on that. All right. So that was another episode of Escape from Plan A. Thank you all for listening. Uh, please remember to subscribe to the Patreon for five dollars a month. You get bonus episodes, access to our Discord, and con- contribution to um, a writers' fund for new Asian American writers that we'll publish on plan a magazine and if not uh please subscribe to us and review us on itunes soundcloud spotify google play and other venues that i haven't mentioned all right thank you so much bye